This is In Focus, the weekly public affairs program from KTBB and the Team Sports Radio, featuring members of the local community working to make East Texas a better place. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of In Focus. So this will air on Saturday and Sunday. It has been recorded on Tuesday the 18th, which I want to let everyone know is the late John Sims' birthday. Uh, John, we wish you a happy birthday. You will be dearly missed. As uh, that being said, if you have any input, uh, please feel free to uh, drop us an email at infocus at ktbb.com. That's infocus at ktbb.com. I'm Lonnie Johnson. My guest today is Laura Ferguson. She's with the Hospice of East Texas, and she is the medical director for HOIT, if I may call it that. Yes, please and, do. Uh, so I'm going to get into a little conversation about hospice today and how important hospice is every day. Laura, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So I'm very familiar with Hospice of East Texas. Tell us about what separates Hospice of East Texas from your competition from the other people in the business. Sure. Um, first of all, Hospice of East Texas is the only nonprofit hospice in the area. Um, and what that means for people is that no matter what insurance you have or whether you have no insurance, then the Hospice of East Texas is glad to take you on as a patient and will manage your care in the same way they would someone that was insured or is not insured. All those patients are cared for in the same manner with the same medications, the same supplies, and the same level of support. So that is is important in the world of hospice and that you would never be denied or declined based upon your ability to pay. Um, and that includes both hospice care that can be performed at home or in the inpatient setting. The Hospice of East Texas is also unique in that we have an inpatient hospice that is called Home Place, which is the inpatient hospice facility here in Tyler um, off the loop. Um, the inpatient facility is meant for patients near the end of life. Um, most specifically, that's what it's most commonly used for. A lot of those patients come from the hospital. Some come from homes. If the desire is not to pass in the home setting, if for that family that would leave a bad memory um, in the home for them. But also the inpatient unit is used for those patients that we care for at home in the home setting when maybe a caregiver needs a break from caring for someone. So they'll come into the inpatient for five days and go back home or a patient that's on hospice at home, but their pain gets worse. We may bring them to the inpatient unit, manage their pain and then get them back home. And so not every patient that goes to home place passes, which I think is a misconception. Most people think everyone there dies, but that's actually not true. So we have care that is done in the homes, in nursing homes um, or facilities, um, and in the inpatient unit. Um, and then the other thing that makes the Hospice of East Texas unique is that we have actually six full-time physicians that are all board certified in hospice and palliative medicine. So those of us have different backgrounds. I'm internal medicine um, physician. We have family practice. We have an anesthesiologist, one that's med peds, but we have six physicians that are full-time that what our primary job is, is to work for the Hospice of East Texas and its extension programs, Texas Palliative Care Pathways, to work with patients and families with incurable conditions. And that's where our job and our focus is. So other hospices do have physicians that do hospice or palliative medicine. Um, rarely are they board certified and also they're not full-time. That's not what they do um, their entire daily practice. The other thing I can think of off the top of my head that makes us different is that we accept pediatric patients. And that's not something people usually want to think about, but it is an important resource here in East Texas because as 
you know, we don't have a lot of pediatric hospitals. So patients, pediatric patients that are in the Dallas area that um, where their families know that they are nearing the end of life, if they would like for them to be closer to home, closer to family where people can be with them and love on them, then we have the opportunities to either take them home or to the inpatient hospice setting and we cover pediatric patients, which other hospices do not. Laura, did, did make me understand the difference between hospice care and palliative care. Perfect. So hospice and palliative medicine are, is, is combined when spoken about. Is it palliative or palliative? Palliative. P-A-L-L-I-A-T-I-V-E. Palliative. We'll go ahead and go with your pronunciation. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> palliative. <laughs> palliative. So palliative medicine is um, patients with incurable conditions. Now, many people live with curable, incurable disease. Diabetes is incurable. COPD, heart failure, all these things are incurable. Typically, specialists in palliative medicine are brought in often in the last two years or so of someone's um, disease process. What's happening at that point is people have had these chronic diseases for years, but they're getting to a place in their condition where the they are running out of options that can reverse their decline and they're having more symptom burden. And so palliative care is where we specialize in trying to manage symptoms so that you still can feel and do as good as you can. But the truth is I may have medicines and some tricks up my sleeve to help you if you're a COPD or to breathe better, but it's not actually fixing your lung. But if it makes you feel like you're breathing better and helps you to do better and feel better for what time you have left, then that's the goal of palliative medicine so that we can't change how long you will live necessarily, but we can change how you feel in the time you have left. That is still done with curative treatments. So in a with palliative care, you would still see your oncologist if you were doing chemotherapy. You may still see your pulmonologist if it's COPD. Whatever your primary doctor and care team, we're just an added team member. Is it a pre-hospice almost? It is. I mean, I guess to some degree, but typically hospice care is almost not even mentioned because we're so far upstream. Patients at that point aren't focused or or, or aren't even thinking about that they're going to die from that disease. They're just thinking, I'm not feeling good. And I've been to the hospital. I got out of the hospital and I didn't feel a lot better. Right. And so what can we do to manage those symptoms? But they're still doing aggressive treatment back and forth to the hospital, to their clinic appointments and those things. Maybe allows you to prescribe more aggressive drugs to ease pain, et cetera. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and things that sometimes other doctors, um, or when they can't watch you or monitor you maybe as closely, they're more hesitant to use those kind of drugs because they're so strong and have to be closely monitored. And our job is to closely monitor them. Um, hospice, on the other hand, patients with incurable conditions with a prognosis of six months or less if their disease runs its natural course. And so there is a specific time frame for patients that are added on to the program of hospice. Now, most of the patients that we get on hospice are actually in the last week or two of life. That would be my question. What what, what is your average day yes. in hospice? So I would say our average is about, for all hospice patients, the average stay is about one to two weeks. For patients in the inpatient unit, to be quite honest, it's often a few days. But that's because many of those patients come from the hospital already very near the end of life. And so it's nothing that we do there that makes that time so short necessarily. We just make sure they're comfortable until they naturally pass. But it does seem like a very short period of time because they were already in an inpatient setting when they got to us most times. 
Now, you stated earlier that every everyone dies, and I'm going to take right. that as fact uh, until we go further <laughs> down the wormhole worm of AI. <laughs> but uh, I, I will take that as, as fact. Uh, one of the things that I think is so valuable about your service, and I want you to touch on this, is that it gives us, and when I say us, I mean uh, us who have loved ones in hospice, a moment to say goodbye, to spend some time, um, to, to talk to those people, to tell those people how much they're loved, how much they meant in our lives. And you can't do that when they're in the urn or in the casket. Um, would you, would you just touch on maybe how much different and how much closure that can bring to family members and friends? Absolutely. So not only does it bring closure to family and friends, it brings closure to the patient, right? And so whenever anyone, a family, a friend, um, people that love are facing something as dramatic as the end of life, then these moments are priceless when you get to honor someone, tell them how much they meant to you, tell them how much they're loved. Also give them permission to just be comfortable and peaceful and go if, if it's their time. Those things are incredibly valuable, but it's not only, you know, so often we catch people at the very end of life. We're in, and the last thing to go is hearing. And so often families come in or people come in and, and they will they will talk to them at the very end of life. But the truth is, too, if we move back upstream, hospice can offer you the opportunities two weeks before that. Could we have gotten them outside in, in a boat for the last fishing round on the trip? Could we have gotten if you can catch people early enough, you can give these moments more than just memories, more than just voices, but some areas like that that can also provide um, closure and peace um, about this setting to some degree. Of course, losing someone that you love, it's hard to describe that as peaceful, but to some degree, it'll, it provides some closure. Well, in fact, it can be. It can be a peaceful process. Uh, by the way, if, if, if you're interested in, in gaining any information about Hospice of East Texas, you can always go to their URL at hospiceofeasttexas.org. Spell it out. That's exactly how it is. I'll give that out um, again in the show a couple of times. But it's hospiceofeasttexas.org. When you mentioned events, I had no idea you guys would assist in creating end-of-life events to incorporate loved ones. Would you talk about that for a moment? Sure. I mean, um, so for some families, it's um, moving a wedding forward where we create a day with a ceremony um, where they may still have a ceremony or a reception later, but to have it with their grandmother before she passes when she's not going to make it to their pre-scheduled date. That's beautiful. We will do those things. Or graduation. We've had that before where unfortunately we, we do lose people who are, who are still young enough to have children that are graduating or grandparents raising children who are graduating in those situations where we go ahead and get their diploma. We get their capping gowns. Schools work with us to make those events happen beforehand. But it can be simple, something just as simple as I mentioned early, fishing or out in their garden one more time or at the inpatient hospice we've had where the local church band has come in, set up outside and we roll the hospital bed out and allow them to have one more moment of worship and praise with the people that love them from their church. So it's just these moments that give families um, a great memory 
and a memory of them just being present in in these things that meant so much to them. I've had people bring their horses up where we could bring them um, over outside and, and have them see their animals for the last time. There's a lot of things that you just never know what's most important to people. But sometimes it's like I said, the horse, it's the simple things in life, right? It doesn't always have to be this big event either. You're 100% right. <clears throat> I had no idea, no idea that you guys did this. I, I thought basically you had a service where you went, you were catered to and loved and made comfortable. Right. Um, that's probably everyone's perception of hospice. So uh, knowing this, that they do this uh, when it's time to... Uh, you know, do your local charities. Remember that Hospice of East Texas is a nonprofit and they're set up just to bring this joy to people. So if you want to contribute uh, to Hospice of East Texas, you can go to the website also at hospiceofeasttexas.org. And I'm sure there's a way there where they can be directed to help you guys out. Is that right? That's right. Um, and there are, you know, in that site, there are gifts of money, but also there is a link to gifts of time, which is volunteerism. And that's important to point out because for a hospice facility and for a nonprofit hospice facility, um, a certain percentage of your staff, almost 20%, has to be volunteers. And so because our organization is so large, it requires a large number of volunteers. So volunteering time is big. But sometimes volunteering services, we've had people that have called and said, hey, I'm a massage therapist. Could I offer any services or my time? And not only could you do massages for patients, but sometimes like the inpatient hospice facility, can you imagine a more stressful time for a husband or wife that's sitting there all day to, to offer to come out there and do a quick back massage for 15 minutes a person? Or are you a hairstylist that could come out there? For some people, it's really important that in those last couple of days of life, they have their hair done beautifully when people are coming by to visit. So there's lots of, um, we all have gifts, right, in, in what we do. For some people, it's coming to read. For some people, it's coming to sing. We have the volunteers that play music in the hall every every day and sing for our, our patients too. So it's we have a lot of different ways ways to be involved um, and we appreciate all of those um, is it is it is it rewarding for them or, or taxing for them uh, well the volunteers I would say to you for all of us um, it's rewarding um, I don't think that you can do this job and be in this realm of work without it being rewarding. People say often to me, I don't know how you do this job. And I, I always say, I never have a bad day. I'm reminded every day at the end of the day, no matter how busy and sad and heavy it was, that it wasn't my mom or my dad. I mean, the, everyone I've spoken to that day is having a worse day than me. And so the perspective is I can go and say, this has been a good day for me, for me and my family. I'm going home right now. And so it's all about perspective and the gifts that people give back to us. And part of that is reminding us how special it is, the gift of life, than what we still have in those things. But also being able to help people. You know, there's, there's, there's sympathy where you feel sorry for someone. There is empathy where you feel sorry, but you, 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 you can actually feel their hurt and sorrow. And then there's compassion where you actually feel their hurt and sorrow and you want to do something about it. And that's what our job is, is to be compassionate. And you will only be rewarded if you can go and give that compassion. And I think that's what our volunteers and, uh, and, I, and our staff feel. How big a challenge is it to find volunteers? Um, well, it's a big, it's a big challenge. And typically, um, many of our volunteers honestly come from 
people and loved ones of people that we've cared for, right? Um, because once you've had that experience and seen what you could give to others, um, many of them do come back. Um, we, we too try to wait at least a year after there's been a loss um, for you to come in just because it's, it's heavy and it's hard and it certainly brings back emotion. But um, I think that many of our volunteers come from that direction and route. But also I think there's a lot of people in the community that want to volunteer, but they have no idea how to start or who to call or where to go, which is why I appreciate you giving out our website. And that's what I'm hoping we do today because I, I'm not sure there's a, I mean, on, on this program, we deal with uh, uh, needs of the community, how they're being met or not met. Um, and uh, again, I've just been very touched by hospice and, and what you do. I, uh, someone uh, that works for you, I care dearly about and, and know that uh, that person is, is, is quite a giver. And, and when I visited Hospice of East Texas uh, on, uh, was on the spur, uh, home yeah. place, I guess yes. is what you call it. Yes. Um, I, I find that everybody's like that. Um, it, it's a very uh, quiet happy place oddly it is happy it is it, which no, is strange it, it is. i know but it is it's a happy place that the that that sounds almost ironic but most people i think that have been there um, in some way would describe it that way we know as we age uh, we're more in touch with our uh, mortality. And uh, since I've aged quite a bit in the last 30 years, I'm, I'm closer <laughs> to most than my mortality. But I, I see that all of us are going to have this end. There's not one of us that's not going to pass. Uh, are we going to pass uh, quickly? Are we going to pass slowly? Are we going to pass locally? Are we going to pass you know, somewhere in, in a satellite location. You just never know. But with with the service you provide, it it it, it, it just so valuable given that extra chance to, to say goodbye, that ex, that extra minute. It is and dying for so many in that disease state, you feel so helpless. Like you're not in control of anything, right? This disease is moving forward and advancing. You're moving toward the end of life. You feel like you're losing control of it all, but there are some things you have control over. Where you are, who you're with, how comfortable you are, or are you at the hospital? Are you in the ICU? Are you at home? Are you with your loved ones? You do have some control over some aspects. None of us get to control the day we pass, but do we have a little bit of control Unless it's a sudden death. Like, obviously, people can die suddenly in a car accident and tragically. But um, if you have an incurable disease and you know the end is coming, you do have a way to have some control over the way that end comes. And um, and that's the goal is, is for it to be your way um, and whatever you want. Okay, we've talked about the patient in hospice. Now let's talk about the family, the bereavement process. Um, how important are your services to the surviving members of the family? Hugely important because I, I think that the the amount of support that comes around when you have a loved one that is that is dying or near the end of life or on hospice, many times there is still support for you. The, after you lose that loved one, it's weird how almost everybody feels gone, you know, and there you are left without your loved one and without all the people checking in on you. And so hospice mm. does follow for a year after there is that loss with our bereavement support services and those things. Um, and so I think that's important because that person needs to still be checked on and to know how important they still are as the world continues to move forward in the time after the loss of their loved one. But two, the, the, 
the bereavement services through the Hospice of East Texas, I always want to mention, are available to anyone. The, the thing about that is you do, let's say you have a sudden, uh, a person that's lost suddenly to a car accident. There's not a lot of support to them because they're just suddenly gone. But you can use, you can have access to the bereavement services at the Hospice of East Texas, and you never have had to spend a day on hospice. So those support groups, the support services, even they have information, um, pamphlets, booklets, booklets for adults, booklets for kids, workshops for children, workshops for adults, depending on how involved you want to be in a group setting, a private setting or moment. But I I encourage anyone who is experiencing loss that knows someone close by that has experienced loss and doesn't have a lot of support and feel they need other avenues for support. Bereavement services are available at no cost and they are available to anyone. Those bereavement services and everything that Laura has mentioned are available to you uh, through hospiceofeasttexas.org. That's hospiceofeasttexas.org. You know, I, I don't even want to begin to have the child conversation. I'm going to have to skip over it because I'm, I'm just that. not strong enough to do I that, understand. and I apologize. Um, but uh, it, as, as far as end of life, uh, for someone that's lived a lived a full life, um, it, it, it's certainly a, a great way to go. And, and it's like maybe if, if, if you can walk us through, like just use me as an example. Let's say I had a mother who was uh, on the last few days of a chronic illness, uh, last few months of a chronic illness, I would reach out to you. Your service would come to my house and evaluate. What would happen? That's exactly right. So you could call the Hospice of East Texas or reach out online, or you could call your doctor and say, I'm interested in talking with someone at the Hospice of East Texas about what they could do. What we do is we typically send out a nurse from the Hospice of East Texas to come by, sit down and talk with you, talk about the services, the support they could offer given your situation or your environment. Um, there are times we do this daily. There are times that people say, oh, we're not quite ready for hospice yet. Our nurses also could say, well, you may be interested in the palliative care support. We used to only have palliative care in the hospitals, but now our palliative care teams actually can visit in the homes and the nursing homes. So it may be that we want to move upstream. Most of the time, by the time people call, though, there's a reason they have a need, right? Sure. There, there's, there's something. I can't imagine calling hospice willy-nilly. Exactly, right? right? So they call. So we have a social worker and a nurse called Pathways that can help further upstream with social needs or nursing needs. We have where the nurse practitioners and physicians actually go to the home with palliative medicine, or we have where the hospice nurse comes and families are ready to initiate hospice services. We set up all equipment delivery. We set up physician visits if that's what's needed. We set up the nurse's schedule, the aides coming out to the house to help with baths and bathing and all of those things. And so it, it's it's, it's an it's an explanation of the services that are available. It's not um, it's not an agreement just to have someone come out and give you that information. And so sometimes it just helps to steer you. And sometimes it's trying to figure out what's hospice, what's home health. We're glad to talk to you about those things, too. Our goal is to support our community. And if we're not the right thing for you to go through what resources may be more available and more able to help you, because if you're reaching out, you need help in some way. Talk for a moment. We mentioned very briefly at the very beginning of the show, last thing to go is the person's hearing. Um, I heard that from one of your employees, and it was very helpful for me uh, because I used that time with someone knowing that, at least thinking that they could hear. Um, 
what are some of the things that people don't know that uh, people that appear unconscious towards the end can hear, can feel? Yes, so they can hear you. They can know your presence. I think that as a mother, I always say, um, I've woken up in the middle of the night when my kids were standing at the bedside staring at me, right? It's a sense that you still have that we don't talk about very much, but they can know your presence. Can they feel you holding their hand? Can they feel you um, touching their palms or or providing them that reassurance? Or absolutely they can. Um, I think it's important for people to, to remember that when when someone is dying, I think some of the biggest concerns people have are about feeding and nutrition and those things. And if they're asleep and they're resting, that they're not hungry, that they're just peaceful and asleep and those things, you know, because well, that's fact, really scary. Medicated. Right. Or they may be medicated. Right. right. They may naturally be asleep because there's organ failure. Right. I mean, your body is shutting down and, and that's the way we were naturally made. We were made long before feeding tubes and IVs and all these drips to, to that our body could could pass in a peaceful and comfortable way. It's a process. It's a process. It's a process. It is. It starts and so and it's hard ends. not to think about someone being hungry, but this is a different part of life. And so um, anyway, those things we're always glad to educate on as as well in the home. And of course, a, a person that's uh, incubated can't tell you that they're hungry. Right, 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 right. So you would have to know. Uh, and and I can't think of a better example than that right there. Just to let people know that it, if you have a loved one in this position, they're not going to be too communicative. Right. They're going to be challenged in that area. And that but, doesn't mean they don't hear you. Correct. Right? And that they doesn't mean they're not hungry. That doesn't mean they're tired, not thirsty. Right? They, they just may can't respond to you very much, much more than an eyebrow lift or those things. But what's important is that we're paying attention to what cues they give us and we're watching their body and we're making sure that, that we are medicating and managing or not medicating as much as needed, but not over medicating either so that you do get those responsive and those cues so we know what's happening with them as well. How far does your umbrella reach in East Texas? How far do you go out East, wow. West, North, and South? We actually cover 23 counties. Okay. So as I kind of think about it, I guess we go to we go to Athens. Okay. We head north to Winsboro. We head out past Longview and Marshall over um, on the east side, and we go as far south as Nacogdoches. It's our listening area. So, oh, good. <laughs> so, so good it's a guys. lot of East Texas. Good yes. for you guys. That, that's good to know. Um, if you have anyone uh, that you know uh, who is either family or friends of family and you're, and you're going back and forth uh, with the choice of uh, putting them in hospice or I'm going to butcher it again, palliative care, yes, um, please consider it. Um, it, uh, I, I, what, what I see when I think of death uh, is loneliness in the last part of death. And that's exactly what hospice tries to prevent, correct? What people, exactly. What people are afraid of, I think, is loneliness and suffering. And our job is to do our very best to prevent those things from happening. What do you do for your people to keep their mental health okay? Um, so 
so that is always a struggle and everybody's weight is carried differently. So um, we do have, um, honestly, it's things like we have a, a popcorn social or we have a hot dog social or we have things where, and I know someone that you know very closely, they had they had an event where they went over um, to Times Square and played bowling and those kind of things. So I think just social time and time um, away from the heaviness of this, I think encouraging people to that when they're off to really be off to not be answering your phone to not be you know what i mean not (laughs) still be working to try to really take advantage of that time because we're all real bad with phones and all of that to to continue to work or to continue to address things even in the times that we're supposed to be relaxing and letting our minds rest and so trying to encourage those kind of things it's been a a a fun time speaking with you on a very (laughs) rough subject i think this is the this is about is uh, uh, I interviewed uh, uh, the Crisis Center, uh, oh, yeah. Atlanta Peacock with the Crisis Absolutely. Center. Very close to that myself. I don't much like girls getting beat up. So right, um, great I'm group. A big fan of there. But it, the things that uh, help our community so much, and this is absolutely one of them. So uh, I'm going to give out the website one more time. The URL address is hospiceofeasttexas.com. You spell out hospice, the entire word, of eastexas.org. I just said dot .com. I'm, yeah, I'm, dot I'll correct That's myself right. and say dot .org. Um, and uh, thank you so much for your time today. we got a, about a minute left, but is there anything else that, that you would like to add? Uh, maybe a call for volunteers. Yes, that's huge. A call for volunteers, people that want to donate time, services, or monetary gifts to care for those who don't have funding and those things. Um, secondly, the second call is don't be afraid to call us. We're, we're not trying to recruit people. We're trying to help you and trying to serve our community here in East Texas. And so we well, want to do what people think right that, for, that you I do. I think they're like you. They want you on their hospice. You know what I mean? I think they that 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 is a misconception. Like, well, if you call them out here, they're going to try to put you on there. No, I'm not trying to oh, do this okay. if you are not interested in hospice or if it's not the right time or not the right thing for you or your family right now. It's important that you understand our job is to get out there, explain to you the services, get to know you and see what is it you're needing and looking for and try to help you find what resources are going to match that. But I feel like that's one of the reasons people may not call, you know, and that's that's not the goal. Well, it's Hospice of East Texas. Uh, they're here for you. They have Home Place, which is uh, located on Spur 264, uh, just, I think, south of Loop 323, uh, going towards UT Tyler. Laura, thank you so much for everything you do, and thank you, Hospice of East Texas. You have a great week. Thank you. Thanks for having us. In Focus is a weekly public affairs program featuring members of the local community working to make East Texas a better place. In Focus is produced by KTBB and the team sports radio. And we thank you for listening. Join us again next week.